Welcome, everyone. We're back with another episode this week, Preparation and Temptation. Uh, If you've been to a Coptic Orthodox Church before, these two themes should sound a little familiar to you, uh, and you should know what season we're entering. But before we get into it, I'm Justine. Michael. Michael. Stephen. And Theophilus. We have two Michaels here, and uh, we have a little interesting topic, but before we go on, uh, don't forget to follow us on our social media. You can follow us on Instagram at sinners.anonymous, and our link tree is there for all our accounts. All right, everybody. So, basically today, we're talking about uh, a very important topic, a topic that essentially starts off uh, Lent for all of us. This uh, idea of what our Lord did when he disappeared into the wilderness and what exactly was he doing for 40 days? Right? Was, he, was he playing Cochina? Or was he uh, eating up uh, in preparation uh, for his, uh, his big ministry? Was he talking to God? What, what did he do for 40 days? In fact, this is a common theme that we actually see with our Lord where he disappears uh, f- very frequently goes off on his own and um, does something. And it happens multiple times. Uh, And what happens next in the story is the showdown with the devil, right? Where he actually gets tempted by Satan, uh, as foretold uh, in the prophecies, and defeats him. The first defeat of uh, the devil, if you will. There's something to be learned here. There's something for us uh, to glean uh, as we enter into Lent and we prepare ourselves. But, but first, before we visit that moment in uh, the desert, we need to go back. We need to bring it back to the original, you know, the, the, the very beginning where the, uh, the angel Lucifer, the one who is Lucifer, the, the beautiful one, uh, is gathering uh, a third of, angel, of the angels of heaven to turn against God the Father and rebel. And when he is cast, when he demands to take God's place and God says, no, but if you want your own kingdom, here you go, they get cast down to earth. And according to the church fathers, uh, specifically, you know, uh, if you've ever read the life of Anthony, these Greeks come to Anthony, uh, St. Anthony, and they ask him uh, about this Jesus. And they're trying to prove that Jesus was not real. He's not a real God. And uh, he looks at them and he says, "I I have compassion on you because what you worship, Aphrodite and Zeus and And all of these are not just false gods, they are demons. And he begins to explain to them that what happened is when these demons fell, they traveled the face of the earth and they created these mythologies, these religions. And that's why these mythologies are very similar, like the Greeks and the ancient Egyptians and the Mesopotamians and all this. You'll see a god of love, a god of power, a god of rebirth, right? Uh, and, and it's very, very common themes. These are essentially the, the demons. And what they teach uh, the people of Earth, right, uh, is their black magic, which exists till today. We'll talk about that later. Uh, and they teach them the secrets, and they teach them war and lust and, and all of the corruption that entered into, uh, 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 into man through the sin of Adam, right? All that tree of knowledge, that is what they get. They get that from the demons. And so for the longest time, People lived in great sin. I mean, all the way to the point of Abraham. Actually, before Abraham with the flood. I mean, man was so sinful that God had to use the magic eraser, if you will, the water eraser, to wipe all of that off the earth and start again. Uh, And then after Noah, there's the promise of Abraham, etc. In the 21st century, 
you would think that these idols, these pagans, these pagan gods are no more. Except for maybe a few pockets here and there, such as Hinduism and whatnot. Paganism is, is not a readily worshipped religion. So maybe the demons are gone. But they're not. They're not. They have found an even more powerful way to spread their religion of self, of pride, of hate, of lust. And they've done it through the media. So the reason why we, we're, we're gathering here together when we were preparing our, our, uh, our discussions was, you guys know that song, uh, Take Me to Church by Hoosier? Hold on a second. We'll, we'll play the beginning part of it. So hold on one second. Take me to church. I worship like a dog at the shrine of your life. I'll tell you my sins and you can sharpen your knife. I'll Pretty catchy, huh? Take me to church. It's got a nice beat. Maybe if you were playing that in your room and your mom or your dad come by and goes, Ah, Hatrakinisa, hello, very good, very good. <laughs> but if you read the lyrics, there is something very sinister going on. I'm not saying the music video. Do not watch the music video. That's even more disgusting. But listen to the lyrics. Do you want to bring up the, the lyrics? We're going to just read a portion of it, and we're going to make a point here, something that hopefully you guys uh, realize is a big deal. Okay, so it starts off saying, My lover's got humor. She's the giggle at a funeral. Knows everybody's disapproval. I should have worshipped her sooner. If the heavens ever did speak, she's the last true mouthpiece. Every Sunday's getting more bleak. A fresh poison each week. Okay, so let, let's listen to this. It's a, there's a hidden meaning. Every Sunday, there's a poison, right? What are we, what are, what are we referencing here? And one can argue that this is communion. We're calling communion a poison, right? And, and we're, we're saying this goddess, right? This is who we should really worship. Continue, please. We were born sick. You heard them say it. Who's them? The people in the church. The people in the church. The church fathers. They, about original sin. We are born in sin. We are born sick. Right? So this is what they say. Here's what we say. Go ahead. My church offers no absolutes. Okay. No absolutes. This is the edict of Satan himself, of Lucifer himself. Do as thou willest is the official motto of, of the Satan church, the Satanism, the church of Satan. Do as thou willest. There is no right, there is no wrong. Do what thou feelest, do what thou desires. Do, and, and then the world has co-opted and added a little piece of safety at the end. As long as you're not hurting anybody, do what you want, right? Don't judge me. Go ahead. She tells me worship in the bedroom. The only heaven I'll be sent to is when I'm alone with you. So salvation is through sex. Salvation is through sex. There was the cult of Aphrodite, the cult of Ishtar, right? They would have sex in the temple with, with, with pedophilia, all kinds of disgusting things, right? This is part of the worship, right? So this is a, a, a call back to those times. And they had temple prostitutes. Yeah. And, and so, you know, even... Um, some literature said that even Rahab was um, a harlot, not of her own choosing, but she was she was given as a temple prostitute. Yes. Yeah. I was born sick, but I love it. Command me to be well. Did you hear that? I mean, that's self-explanatory. I was born sick, but I love it. I love being sick. I love being sinful. You call me sick. I don't think I'm sick, but I love it, right? Command me to be well is what we're, we're making fun of God. When he went to the paralytic, be well, rise, take up your bed and walk, right? The demons hated those moments. And then it says, amen, amen, amen. And then the course starts. It says, take me to church. 
I'll worship like a dog at the shrine of your lies. Okay, you can't get more pagan than that. Like, I'll worship at your, your shrine. And of course, it's a dog. God doesn't ask us to come and worship as dogs. He comes to us to worship as inheritors, as his children, uh, as, as, his, as his son and as his daughter, not as, not as dogs. Who sees us? Who wants us to worship them as dogs? The demons. Go ahead. I'll tell you my sins so you can sharpen your knife. Okay, so again, we're, we're playing, they're playing on confession. Mm -hmm. Right? Like in, 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 in the Christian religion, you speak your sins in repentance and they get erased. They're gone. You're reborn. But the devil, when he has your sins, he's the great accuser. He uses them to death by a thousand cuts. You're disgusting. How dare you do this sin? You deserve this, whole, this horrible thing. Continue to be the filthy. No one will ever accept you. Continue. Offer me my deathless death. Good God, let me give you my life. This is probably the most in-your-face that you can get with God, right? The eternal life. Offer me the deathless death is another way of saying eternal life. And they're making, essentially, it's a mockery of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then verse 2 starts and it says, If I'm a pagan of the good times, my lover's the sunlight. Okay, the sun uh, god, yeah. right? Pagan of the good times. We can stop at the part where he talks about the goddess. Go ahead. Okay. To keep the goddess on my side, she demands a sacrifice. So, many of these cults, if you desire to make someone fall in love with you, you had to sacrifice something. An animal. It depended on, on, on the status of this person. If you wanted, like, the king... Or someone of high status, like a nobleman, to fall in love with you, you had to bring a child and have him sacrificed, and the blood of that child would be done through their black magic. They would incorporate the blood of that child, and all of a sudden you'd have this like love potion, and then you could take it and uh, you know find a way to make the other person ingest it or put it on their food or whatnot. And then through the art of black magic, through the emphasis of the devil and the powers of the devil, and they do have powers. No, nowhere near what our Lord has, but they do have powers. There would be a love spell. All these things happened at that time and and we'll talk about how they happened today so so and the proof of yeah. that um you were we were talking earlier about how these demons are around the world there these cultures had nothing to do with each other so you had the greeks and the romans uh, on one part of the continent uh, of the earth and then you had the aztecs and the incas and another part and they still both and had, had the vikings too yeah mm -hmm. and they all had human sacrifice it's because it's the same demons talking to them yeah no uh, a absolutely. I mean, basically, uh, this idea, the, the interesting thing about the demonic religion versus the Christian religion is in the demonic religion, they, you, they want you to sacrifice yourself. Suicide is the ultimate right for them, right? Because they want you to join them. You cannot go to heaven if you commit suicide, right? So they want you to sacrifice. In the Christian religion, who gets sacrificed? Christ. Our Lord and Savior. And he doesn't ask you to sacrifice yourself. He wants you to be made well. He wants you to be healed. Now, there are some people that are probably listening right now, and if you haven't tuned, uh, tuned us out, thank you. The, the Lord is working in your heart. Allow us to explain something. You might be thinking to yourself, man, these, these people are crazy. These Orthodox <laughs> Christians, they're crazy people. How, what, what do they think? They, they, they take things so literally. Like, they're, they're, they're ridiculous. I, I want to open it up to you guys, right? Like, is this crazy? Are we being way too, like, eh, don't do this? You know, or, or, or is there something going on here that we need to call out, that we need to be aware of? What do, what do you guys think? I feel like the song lyrics are very clear in that they convey that today in our world we revel in that sin that we used to stay away from i feel like we're not crazy to look at this and say there is a clear change in what's happening in the world people are now looking at sin in a way that 
we used to look at it as something shameful, something to fix, and now we're valuing it and we're putting literal religion in its name. Mm. Mm. What do the rest of you guys think? I mean, I think it's kind of like what Steven said. It's it's interesting to see how times are changing, how it's we've become a much more accepting society of everything. So the smaller things that are done that back in the day you'd be like, this would not have passed as okay, nowadays are okay and out in the open and accepting and yeah, we'll just brush it under the rug. Does it sweep, what is it, sweep it under the rug? Yeah. Something under the rug. Mm-hmm. Put it under the rug and don't worry about it. And um, it's it's all about planting the seeds. Like right now, this seed of a lie may not be a full tree that grows and sprouts out the the tree of of you know of of evil, but it's a seed. It starts somewhere, and then slowly, bit by bit, it gets watered, and it starts growing. You have a little leaf that comes out, then you have a stem, then you have more leaves, and then you have branches, and now it's this whole big tree that is so difficult to cut down, only because the seed was never removed from the get-go. Oh, yeah. St. James says this in his epistle, where he talks about the way that sin starts, and it starts as a little thought, and a, and, and the thought sp- spreads, and it grows, and it becomes a little seed, and then it becomes a plant, and then it brings forth death. And so if we let, um, and the church fathers say that thoughts are like, um, like birds flying over your head. You mm-hmm. can't stop birds from flying over your head. But if you see someone with a bird's nest on their head, you're like, okay, well, they could have done something about that. And that's what happens with these thoughts. The, the demons bring into these thoughts into our heads, and we, we start thinking, doubting ourselves, and oh, am I so evil that I thought about this? And sometimes we get these crazy thoughts of doing things, and it's nothing, it's, it has, it's nothing that's part of your personality. It's something that was brought in to tempt you. And you can dismiss it, make the sign of the cross, and just dismiss it, or you can dwell on it, and then they build the nest in your head. Yeah, I mean, one thing to keep in mind is when they bring these thoughts, they don't bring them in uh, a way that's scary, you know, and in a way that's apparently demonic. It's in this beautiful person's voice who's masking his true message by saying, take me to church, right? And and, I mean, I got to give the guy credit. He's got got an incredible voice. The whole choir, the song is catchy. The melody is, is catchy. But in the end, what are you listening to? What is the message being fed subconsciously into your brain? What, what, what are you actually exposing your soul to? Because, because essentially, the devil didn't just rest when, when he was defeated at the cross. Wouldn't, wouldn't that have been nice? No, he didn't. He doubles down on his efforts. He doubles down on his work, right? He realizes now I have a finite amount of time to, to, to bring as many people as I want into my misery. And so, because he has a finite amount of time and a finite amount of resources, meaning that God, the Father, is all-powerful, all-knowing. The devil does not know everything, and they're very finite in their abilities. And they get tired. In fact, St. Macarius and St. Anthony talk about the, the key to overcoming the devil, of course, is holiness, of course, is prayer, of course, is fasting, of course, is meditation. But you can have all these things and still not be able to overcome. The final key, persistence. Perseverance. Yeah. Perseverance. To, to la- outlast the devil, right? Your holiness, 
Your desire, your calling of God lasts longer than the devil's patience. And he's not really that patient. Not at all. Like there's the story of St. Macarius, who uh, later in his life, he, he's beginning to organize these groups of men that are coming to, to uh, be like him, right? And basically what he, what he does is one day he walks up and he sees the devil. He passes him like, hey, St. Macarius. And he's going down the hill. He goes, where are you going, oh, evil one? And he goes, I'm going to go talk to my friends down there. He's pointing to his children. He goes, ah, okay. At the end of the day, St. Macarius completes his prayer. He comes out and he sees the devil coming back. And he's happy. The devil stops. He's like, what, why are you so happy? He goes, nine out of the ten wouldn't even let me in. But my friend, he always lets me in. And he goes, ah, okay, all right. The next day, he watches him. And this time he watches which hut he goes into. Waits for him to come back. The devil's still happy. St. Macarius runs down the hill, goes to his spiritual son, and sits down and begins to talk to him about how to persevere and how to fight against the devil. The, the, the day after St. Macarius walks out, the devil's coming back, and he's sad. He's deje dejected. He's, he, why are you so sad? What, what happened? He goes, my friend wouldn't even open the door for me. And he was just walked away. What that story teaches is that there are ways to overcome the powers of evil. We're going to talk about how we do that. And the time to practice those ways, the time to learn those ways, because it's like, it's like spiritual muscles. You have to exercise in the gym of the church. The church is the gym, right? In the, spiritual the gym. gymnasium. The spiritual gymnasium, like as the great fathers, Bachomius talks about, the, the time to do it is now, in Lent, right? Right now. This is the time to get swole. Get your swole on. <laughs> your spiritual swole on, huh? Okay. So I think we're kind of all agreeing, maybe we are, hopefully the rest of you guys are too, that this is not as far-fetched. It's not like the devil went away. He just got smarter. And he went to our music and our videos and our movies and our schools and our colleges and, and our phones and, and it, they, they just disappeared. They melted into that. Because to wake up today and go to someone and say, worship the goddess Ishtar, right? The goddess of love that he's referencing. They're gonna be like, <laughs> you're joking, right? But to take that same message, and to take this idea of lust and desire and speak to that, the sinful nature that is within men, to speak to that, that's something. Well, so some people ask, hey, why is it that we're in these times that seem so evil and why is all this stuff going on that wouldn't happen back in the day? And part of it is that our, we as a society and as individuals have rejected God. So we had, we, there was a, at least a veneer of Christianity, at, le at least in this country. Well, it was like, okay, well, people, even if they didn't really feel it, they would go to church every Sunday. And there was something there that was keeping us protected. But then we rejected God. And it's kind of like what Christ said. There was this man that had a demon, and the demon was, was uh, taken out of him. And then the demon comes back, and he notices the house is swept away. What does that mean? That that evil hasn't been replaced by something good. So he notices that what it's like a house that's now prepared and like just furnished. Oh, come dwell. So you can bring seven more demons to dwell with him. So then now we're in a state where there's now seven more demons because there's nothing there to fight back the demons. And that's why we see all of these evil things coming up that if we look back at ancient times, yeah, they were there then too. They're just in different form now. And so we don't recognize them. That's such a good point. And I think we miss this point a lot. Um, the devil has had 
so much time, so many people. He's had centuries and billions of people. He has so much experience and so much that he's learned throughout the years that we need to also adapt to him. The struggles and hardships of today, the temptations of today might need a new mindset where we need to fight on a micro level. We need to look at every single input that we're being fed by society and the media and we need to really assess what we're taking in so that what we're putting out isn't sinful. It's like what Emba Yusuf says, garbage in, garbage out. Yeah. Whatever you let in will will be portrayed in in what you let in. The way you speak, the way you handle yourself, interact with others and all that. Mm-hmm. I, I think the, the thing that, that I, I, first of all, that's absolutely true, what both of you guys said. Um, what concerns me the most about youth today is how apathetic they are mm-hmm. about what we're talking about. Either they think it's a joke, or they think that this is just the old ways and it's not really real. Maybe God was talking within metaphors when he warned us of all these evils. Uh, Christ, I should say. God himself, too. Yahweh said the same thing. Uh, or they think that um, the church takes itself a little bit too seriously and that you know all these tools that, uh, the, uh, that were given to us, the, the ascetical prayer, the tasbihah, the fasting, it's just a little too much. We don't need it. You know, we don't need as much of it, right? Like we're more educated. We don't need these old ways, right? Or maybe they think you know, they're just deep down inside. They might not admit it to themselves, but they don't really have the faith that God is there. And if God is not really there and God is not really who he is, then why go through this trouble? Why not just give in and just live the life that you want to live, right? And, and that's, a, that's a spectrum, but I think that everybody listening is probably somewhere on that spectrum, right? Where, where you have, you know, the, the, the deacon Sunday school t- teacher that takes things very, very, very seriously. And then the guy that, or the gal that's like, yeah, meh, I don't know. I don't really know if God exists. And you, you, are, you are probably somewhere on that spectrum. I think it's important to use this time during Lent to truly search within yourself and with all honesty, don't be scared. Accept where you are at that moment. And when I say accept, some people think it's like, okay, I'm, I don't really believe in God and I don't need to do No, 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 that's not, that's not what it is. It's acknowledging that I'm here, but I want to be here. Or I'm here and I'm perfectly fine being here. Whatever the, whatever the scenario is, whatever it is, to acknowledge it, to be aware of it. Because that is step one of the battle against the devil. What you're saying is exactly what the prodigal son did. He acknowledged where he was. And he was like, I want to eat and I can't even eat the food of the pigs. The pigs have a better life than me. And then he thinks, okay, in my father's house, I had it good. Let me go back. I'm going to go back and I'm going to ask to be a servant in his house. So he acknowledged where he was and the bottom... Like that he reached, and that was how he was able to come out of it. We went through uh, four weeks of Lent right there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, when are we going to have the blind man? <laughs> Samaritan woman. <laughs> spot on, spot on. I, I, I think that um, when our Lord multiple times throughout the gospel, the number one most common commandment that he gives is peace. Right? People don't see that as a commandment, but it's, it's a commandment. It's peace. Peace be, a, peace be in you. The peace of the Lord be with you. Right? That's why we start off every prayer with peace. Right? The second most common one is watch. 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 Multiple parables about people who didn't watch and paid the price or weren't prepared and paid the price. And those who did 
who reaped the rewards, right? Watch, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. Yeah, absolutely. The 10, ten version yeah. is a great example. Multiple, multiple. Why? Why is that so important? Because that is, in, my, in, in the opinion of the church fathers, 49% of the battle is to wake up from the matrix. Yep. I'm not talking Andrew Tate. To wake up <laughs> from the matrix, right? To, to wake up from the sleep. Be vigilant. Yes. Yes. The interesting thing about uh, the, the mythology is there's a god of sleep, you know, the Sandman, you know what I mean? The fairies. Yep. And they're always going around sprinkling dust on the humans in all these mythologies. And it, it's funny how the devil is so blatant about what he's doing, right? His whole prerogative, because he knows if you wake up, that's about, that's almost half the battle. And now he's got a problem. If we're all sleeping, if we're all plugged into the matrix, then the amount of resources required to maintain our sleep is very minimal from the forces of evil. And remember, they're very few compared to the forces of good. So if, he can, if they can keep us asleep, they don't have to fight us. We're, 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 we are combat ineffective. And that is why there are so many distractions, so many things, so many objects, so many idols created by Satan and his minions to keep us asleep. The internet and the Netflix and the blah, 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 and this and that. And, that. and I'm sorry to say, our own careers, our own businesses, right? Our own homes, you know, trips to Ikea to spend five hours choosing <laughs> what color of tax cabinets we're going to choose. <laughs> Apologies to my wife. The point, the, point is, the, the point is, all of these things are meant to keep us asleep, not aware, not focused on the prize, on our inheritance, on the thing that matters. So by it, uh, admitting to yourself, looking in the mirror, or sitting down with your spiritual father, and saying, look, here's the fact, I'm Christian by name only. Do you think a Buddha is going to be like, get out? Of course not. If that happens, report that priest to your <laughs> local bishop ASAP. But it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. You, if you could be in Abuna's heart in that moment, he's going to give you a hug. It's going to be joy. It's going to be joy. It's going to be like, oh, they're waking up. They're waking up. Oh, my children are fine. All those hours at the pulpit finally working, right? Like, like they're waking up. This, this is really what he wants to hear. Just admitting that I'm actually a sinful, horrible person. And you know what, Abuna? I'm not changing. I have no desire to change. But I admit that what I'm doing is not going to take me anywhere. Can you imagine? You accomplish two things. First, the angels in heaven, which we need, we were going to talk about them at the end, because it's very important we talk about the forces of good. The angels in heaven are just praises and joy and happiness and all the saints and, and, and our, your father in heaven. But the second thing is the devil quakes. The devil becomes afraid. Because now this soul that he was counting on the tally sheet for his side, it's moving. And now begins the trouble. Now begins the problems. Now begins the temptations of Christ. But before we begin, Mike, were you looking to say something? Yeah, I was going to say something about um, that battle and how there is there's a battle going on, and we have to decide which side we're on. We're, whether we're on the side of the forces of Christ and the forces of good and the angels, or we're on the side of the of the demons, and we don't realize that that is something that we do on a daily basis. The day that we got baptized. We said, uh, our parents, most of us who got baptized when we were children, but if you got baptized as an adult, you raised your hand and you say, I renounce you, Satan, and all of your evil powers. And then you turn towards the east and you say, I accept you, Christ, and you accept Christ and his angels and the forces of good. 
And every day, every moment, we make that same decision. Am I going to do the right thing? Am I going to do the the thing that is going to put me towards the side of the of good, the side of the angels, or am I going to participate with the demons? And by participate with the demons, it's any time that we decide to go into our lusts, to start hating somebody. And sometimes it seems like it's a righteous thing. You're like, oh, well, but they're doing so this wrong stuff, and they're doing all this stuff, and it's damaging the church. And, and then you find fights within the church. Why? Because... The, the demonic powers want to get in whatever way they can. So it starts with this veneer of this is sel- this is a holy, righteous zeal, and it turns into a prideful self-zeal. And your only reason why you're fighting is because your pride got hurt. And so we need to be more mindful of how we let some of this evil enter into our hearts and... Um, under the guise of something good. Well, you were talking about baptism. I was just thinking we should have like a renewal of baptismal vows. Just a <laughs> random idea. I don't know if that's... <laughs> so we actually do have something that's very similar to a renewal of baptism vows. Mm. So the on theophany. Mm. On theophany, where we are... Um, anointed with the water it's supposed to be during the water liturgy or that and that is supposed to be kind of like a renewal of the baptism Mm -hmm. christ washed like the disciples feet he said you are clean i only need to wash your feet why did he say i only need to wash your feet because your feet are where what goes your feet get dirty because your feet are walking in the mud so as you walk we pick up sin and it gets on our feet so our feet need to be washed so when we confess we are washing our feet But the rest of us is clean from within because we got baptized. And so between confession and the the, um, water liturgy, we're reminded daily of, or reminded like every year throughout the cycle of the church, that we were purified by the water of our baptism. So so Stephen or or Mike, what do you guys think? Anything you want to add to the conversation? I mean, I think everything that was said was... uh pretty well said (laughs) yeah (laughs) i think we tend to see the distractions that are in the world right now and we almost look at them as a way to escape the hardships that are within the fight towards god and being with god because it's not an easy road to be on but we tend to Just look at the distractions, look at our phones, social media, and that's an easier way to deal with your life on a daily basis. But then we miss out on the fulfillment, the peace, the love, the salvation that God gives us. Um, And I I was just reading Job the other day, and it stuck out to me, chapter 2, when he was, he had just gotten everything taken away from him, his kids, his health, everything. And... He told his wife, the adversity that God gives me is just as good as all the gifts that he's given me. And it's something that we should learn from. And I just think instead of running away from maybe our sins or our temptations by just distracting ourselves and being apathetic, like you said earlier, we should face them head on and try to see if we can repent and talk to our father of confession, talk to ourselves and talk to God and see if we can get to 
the bottom of why we do these things and then trace them back and kind of get to our trigger points and solve them. Yeah. That, that was so that, well said. Yeah, very, very well said. So, so this is exactly what the next step is, right? So step one, wake up, right? Unplug from the matrix, right? Realize that there is a war going on for your soul and it is more important than whether you're going to be a doctor or who you're going to marry, right? And understand that that war is... Uh, restarting every single day so if you lose one day you lose the battle one day you got another chance that's step one step two perfect steven so so now you're you're activated you're on the battlefield now you're aware now maybe you grab the sword and the shield and the armor of god that saint paul is talking about and you begin right and the first thing you do is you have to understand that every successful military person did well, did does not exist on their own they have a superior. And this idea of discipleship is lost among today's youth. No offense. Mm -hmm. This idea of, I don't know everything, and I need to disciple, I need to sit at the feet of someone more wiser than I, more smarter than I, more spiritual than I, and learn from them, right? And again, this is by design. The devil knows that if someone were to learn to humble themselves and sit at the feet of their father of confession or, you know, whoever it is, it really should be your father of confession, honestly. Like, you might think like, oh, I've got a buddy and he's more spiritual than I, I'm going to go. That see, that's good. That's not bad. Like, you know, an effective military squad is a squad. It's a bunch of men and women who are working together, who have been trained together, who are fighting against the enemy together, and they're sharing resources. That's good. It's good to be part of a squad. It's good to have spiritual friends that encourage you to go to church and pray and read your Bible and talk about spiritual things rather than the latest Instagram model, right? So I agree. That's good, but that's not enough. What we're talking about is discipleship, is to realize that you need a captain, you need a general, and you need to go to them and say, okay, here's where I am. Here's where I want to be. Or maybe I'm, I'm suffering from this or I'm having a hard time with this. What should I do? Because I'm going to tell you something, and I hope and I hope you take this to heart. Everything you've gone through, a million and billion people have already gone through it. There is nothing that people, that you guys, youth, are going through today that hasn't already been gone through, and there are solutions for everything. There are literally, I don't care if it's homosexuality, I don't care if it's murder, I don't care if it's drug use, I don't care if it's criminal activity. There is a solution, there is a path, there is a way out for everything and that is all that he gave us but you only get it if you open yourself up to your father yeah no the, and it's very true there have been times where i've been like picked up the phone called my sp spiritual father and be like hey i feel like something's wrong i feel like something's gonna happen and it's usually just a couple of words and the ship's righted and then there's other times where i don't do that and then i wind up doing something really dumb or wind up in like these depths of like and, and then I call afterwards, and then it's like a three-hour-long talk to try to get me out of there. <laughs> and so once you start noticing that something's not going the right way, just pick up, pick up the phone. They, they might be super busy. They'll, God will arrange for them to have the ability to talk to you at that time. I think one thing is, um, I don't know. I feel like people nowadays don't like to struggle. They don't like to go through hardships. They don't. They want the the cop out. They want the easy way out. They want to just 
oh, this is too hard. I'm whatever, you know, like I, I feel like people nowadays are not, um, there was this uh, video that my dad showed me of, it was like a quote that said, uh, tough times make tough men and tough men make easy times. But then easy times make weak men and weak men make tough times. And we're right now where we are with weak men and tough times. And I don't mean it like economically, I mean it in, as a society. You know, it, it's tough to be in a society that we're in right now where you try to be a Christian who does all the right things, but you know, when, when you talk to someone, oh, I'm going to church on Sunday, oh, you still do that? <laughs> Like, you know, as if, as if it's like some old school thing that nobody really does nowadays, or, you know, it, it's something that, um, it's like, I'm going to take out my abacus, right? <laughs> like I, 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 I serve patients in like a, a, an indigent clinic where a majority of them are Hispanic and immigrants. And I love it so much because they're always talking about Christ. They're always like, God bless you. God, thank you. You know, thank you. They're, they're a different demographic. They're so thankful. But we live in a society where God is removed from a basic conversation like that because you're enforcing your religion on someone else. That's what it's called. But I can't, I can't sit here and say that I'm a Christian without being scolded and, and told you're being insensitive to our population or what we're saying. You know, you, you, it's very rare to find, um, whether if it's a workplace or a school or an environment where God is embedded or people have the same values and morals and uh, missions in their life or they're, they're, they're um, I don't know, they're, they're, it's a very different time. And I, I see it in like, you know, students, when I interview students, you see the newer students coming in that's not how I interviewed whenever I was a student. I was very respectful. I tried to be polite, very uh, professional. Nowadays, people are just very casual, you know. Oh, yeah, I like uh, I like the school because blah, 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 blah. And, you know, it's like cool. Those aren't professional words you say in an interview. You know what I mean? Like, it's a very different time. But people don't want to take the time to refine themselves. And in order to refine yourself, you have to work. You have to work on yourself. It's not easy. These are not skills that everyone is born with. It's it's a, it's, it's a work in progress. And uh, I saw this video too. Sorry, I'll, I'll cut my speech short a little bit. Oh I saw this video of... Um, a guy who went to prison and he came out saying like he made a video about like the top 10 habits that he got from prison that he still uses to this day. And it was all habits of discipline. You know, I wake up early, I do my bed, I meditate, I go for a jog, I come back, I organize, I clean, I do this. And like, it's very, it's a very rigorous, but it's structured, you know, and it's, it's good to see that someone went to prison, refined themselves, even though I'm sure it wasn't easy, but they went through that and look at what the result is. But a lot of people don't want to go through that. And I think that's, that's a struggle where as a weak population, um, it's hard to find what is the resolution in, in a population that doesn't want to even look for it. Amen. Amen. So, so we're, not, we're, we're not trying to like like come down too hard on you guys. Like just, 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 just hear us out here. It, it, it's important. It, it's so hard. Like just even saying to look in the mirror and acknowledge your faults. And and the only reason why we're having this conversation is because we were there. Every single person in this room was there. 
Like, I didn't listen to my parents all the time. Like, I, I thought, I, you know, I, I, I didn't have any issue. I didn't have any problems. But I did. And, and, and this idea of pride, or in some cases, it's shame. In some cases, it's the opposite. Shilt, shame, and, shame and guilt are not the same thing. And if you combine them together, it's shilt. But shame and guilt <laughs> are not the same thing, right? Guilt is from the spirit. It says, hey, buddy, buddy, come on. What you, did to, what you said to your mom, that's not nice. That's not, you got to do something about that. You got to fix that. That's not nice. You hurt her. That's not right. You know, you, look at what she did for you. Come on. Let's go. Let's go apologize. That's guilt. Guilty conscious. Shame is, that's disgusting. That sin that you do when no one's looking. Ugh. Better not tell Abuna. Oh, he's going to judge you. Oh, no, 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 no. You can't. You'll never get married. No, no, no. Then everyone will find out. Listen, listen, listen. You cannot let anybody know. And, and you know, go ahead. Keep doing it. Whatever. You know. But, but, but don't, don't let anyone know. See that? Cornerstone there is pride. Right? It's pride. What are they going to say about me? What will Abuna think about me? I can't possibly reveal this horrible sin. Guys, again, there isn't a single thing Abuna hasn't heard. Like, even murder. There's, a, there's really good stories. I'm not going to share them. About murder. Like, people confessing murder. And how priests are like, oh, yeah. No, I, I, know, I know how to deal with that one. Wait, really? There's like a priest handbook for murder? The, the, point, the point is this. The point is this. Whether it's shame or pride. Those are two spears that the devil is trying to <clears throat> stick in you, right? To, to keep you stuck to the ground, right? And you must resist. And the only way to resist is through humility, right? To subjugate yourself to the will of God and to say, I need help from a spiritual father. And to be persistent. Because if you honestly think, and the devil actually pulls away from you. Here's another tactic. The first week of Lent, incredible. You know, yeah, you struggled a little bit, maybe you had some cheese, but you got over it, right? And and, and now the second week of Lent, oh my God, like, right? Like, you're, you're, you're loving it, you've got a Buna Dawud Lahma on, and like, you're just enjoying Like, oh my God, you feel the spirit, you're feeling it. What has the devil done? He has purposely retreated, right? It's, it's a false retreat, though. Watch what, watch what he does. Second week, third week, everything's great except at the end. At the end. Get a little whiff of hamburger, you know, or you have an argument with your parents, or uh, if you're in a relationship, right? You're married or, or you're engaged. Something just starts going horribly wrong. Communication is off. Vibes are off. Sorry, I'm an old man. I don't understand the vibe <laughs> thing, but vibes are off, right? And then the fourth week comes, boom, I know it's You know, something happens. You're driving your car. You run a red light. You, by accident, you drive into a McDonald's and you crash in a hamburger. You know what I mean? Like, 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 like that meme. Did you hear that video? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Good meme. Good job, folks. But, you know, like something happens where you fall flat on your face. Now, you have a choice. You can acknowledge defeat and say, I give up. I surrender. I Take me, Shaitan. I will wallow Shaitan. in the mud. Yeah, I will wallow in the mud, in the pig pen. Right? Prodigal son. Or you can have a pig pen moment. What is the pig pen moment? It's the moment the prodigal son had when he came, comes to his senses. The Bible says he comes to his senses. You gotta understand something. When you're in this fugue state of the world, living according to the world, drunk on the world's, uh, you know, being uh, numbed by the world's mm -hmm. drugs. Being numbed by the world's drugs. And by the way, Warzone is a drug. For those of you that don't uh, want to admit it, Call of Duty Warzone, it's a drug, right? What have you accomplished in the six hours you've played Warzone? <laughs> what have you accomplished with your life? I mean, don't you feel horrible at the end when it's time to sleep and you haven't studied and you haven't done anything? 
I'm sorry. I, I digress. The, the, the point is, you can choose to give up and say, I surrender, and you've lost. You can choose to do nothing, and you've lost. Because it's an uphill. If you're not clamoring and fighting every inch, you're sliding down. The only way to win is to get back up, ask God for forgiveness, call upon his name, and start all over again. And you will feel the grace of God. I guarantee you, you will feel the power of God. Because that is when the angels come. In the same way that after our Lord and Savior defeated Satan on the last temptation, who came to serve him? The angels. The angels. This man is hungry. He hasn't eaten for 40 days. By the way, biblically, when it says 40 days, that's not an exact time. It could have been much longer than 40 days for all we know. I mean, I can't even last four hours without food. This man, our Lord and Savior, and remember, he's fully human, so the pangs of hunger are really bad. 40 days, he hasn't eaten a single thing. And the devil comes and goes, Yaragil, you're hungry, it's fun, turn the stone into a loaf of bread. Now, he could have done it. He chose not to. He chose not to. Because it's not about the action. Right? It's about who it's coming from. Remember this, guys. This is another tactic the devil uses. Sometimes good appears in your life. And you think, wow, this is a great good. Thank you. I'm going to pursue this good. I'm going to go down this road. But you haven't prayed. You haven't called your father of confession. You haven't even signed the cross. Where is this good coming from? Mm -hmm. This new friend that comes when you're all of a sudden very lonely. You know, you're out and you're eating your fool sandwich on the playground and you're alone because everyone's like, you stinky fool boy, right? And then this random friend out of nowhere comes and says, hey, Bobby, or no, sorry, I'll make it more accurate. Hey, Mina, how you doing, buddy? You wanna be friends? Hey, I love fool. You love fool? How do you know what fool is? Uh, yeah, it's great. And then you become friendly and then everything's okay and he defends you against the bullies. And before you know it, he's like, hey, you wanna smoke some pot? You didn't stop and ask, where is this coming from? One more story, and I'll toss it to you. Um, St. Anthony, one of the ways in which, uh, one of the ways he would be attacked, he'd be walking, just walking in the wilderness. By the way, if you've ever been to St. Anthony's Monastery, who walks in that wilderness? <laughs> who just randomly goes and walks? The sun is beating down, and you know, like, like these wild creatures out there, and they're all hungry, they're all gonna eat you. This man's walking in the wilderness and just talking to God. But anyway, he's walking in the wilderness, and he sees like gold something shiny and he just looks at it he doesn't pick it up he doesn't even look at it more than two seconds he walks right past it and he keeps seeing this over and over again anyone else would be like oh, i'm rich i'm gonna take this to the city and sell it but saint anthony knows that not everything good is of god and if it isn't until he signs the cross and he blesses it does it evaporate does it disappear why it's a trick of the devil it's the same temptation he uses with our lord and savior turn this stone into a loaf of bread admiral akbar it's a trap it's a trap so um, it reminds me of something um so every every couple of years so there's a story of someone who has this icon that like gold uh, not gold um, oil comes out of it or there's this miracle or something and if you ask the, the the fathers of the church what do they what do they say like there was a, there, there was one I remember quite a few years back and someone asked um, say in uh, Yusuf and he was like okay let's test it let's see Let's bring it into the altar and see what happens. They run into the altar. It stopped. No, no more oil. Nothing. 
because if it's not from God, and these things seem like they're from God, come on, you know, what what good is it? You know, why would Satan have um, oil come out of an icon? But it's because there's something else behind it. There's a lot of the time we seek after miracles because of ulterior motives. Like Jesus said, uh, the, it was the Sunday Gospel a couple weeks ago. Are you coming after, or maybe this, but anyway, basically saying, are you coming after me because you were fed? Because I did the miracles and I fed you with the five loaves and two fish. Or is it because you're coming to, to, to satisfy your soul? Satisfy your soul. What are you looking for? And that's, what's, that, that's what the issue is. Why are we seeking God? Yeah, I, I mean, um, the reason why you can start seeking God doesn't necessarily have to be the reason you end, which is why our Lord says, come as you are. So you, mu- you might come into our religion uh, because you met, you met a girl, and you don't know what Coptic Orthodoxy is, but you know this girl, and you want to be with this girl, and she says, I'm Coptic, and I have to convert. And so you're like, all right, let me just, let me just see what this is all about. But you, you come for the girl, you stay for the Jesus. You know, it's Olive Garden, yep. right? Fine. You know what I mean? Like, you want to hear your family. You know what I mean? And, and that's happened to multiple people that, that I think we know. So, so, so the, the intention, as long as it's pure, right, is okay. But the one thing that, that uh, here's another thing that the devil uses, another tactic. You will never reach this level of spirituality. You have no chance. Like, look at him and look at her and look at Abuna and look at all these saints. You're always going to be disgusting, right? So why even try? The interesting thing about that deception is it flies in the face of the core tenet of Christianity. And the core tenet of Christianity, there is no better example of it than what happens during the crucifixion. Of all the people in the, in, in the Bible, who is the one person, the one person that we know is definitely in paradise because our Lord and Savior said so? The thief. The thief. Yes. This is a man, Demas, the church calls him Demas, you won't find his name in the Bible, but the church tradition is Demas. This is a man who stole and did horrible, horrible things to the point that, like, they, they hung the things that he stole, that he was convicted of, on the cross with him. Crucifixion was used by the Romans to scare the populace that they were occupying. To say, when you go against Rome, Rome goes against you. And this is what it looks like. Mm-hmm. That's why it was a public killer. It was a public killer. And they would do it on the roadside, so people yes. would see. and then they Or outside see. the cities, yeah, yeah. On, on mountain. Gogoda was a hill, yeah. So, 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 so this man we know is a sinner. There's no doubt, right, as far as the Bible, because the Bible calls him a thief, and so did the Romans. And yet this man, he looks at our Lord, and he realizes he's a sinner. And he realizes the presence of the person that he's in. And he confesses his sins, and he is baptized. How does the church say he is baptized? By the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ that was sprayed on him. And, and he, he asks yani, the most beautiful question that if, if we all had that chance, if you had one chance to ask God, I hope that this is what we ask, which is, my Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And what is that? Our Lord could have said, okay, no, he could have said, you know, he could have said nothing. I'll get back to you. I'll get back to you. <laughs> or wait until, it is not for me to get, wait until judgment day. No, no. He goes out of his way. And, and by the way, at this point in the crucifixion, the Lord is dehydrated. He's lost the majority of his blood. He can't breathe. And he's, he's just getting ready to give up the ghost. This is the very end of the crucifixion. And he 
pushes himself, his human self, to look at him and say, from this day forward, you'll be with me in paradise. We forget that story when the devil comes to us and says, you're despicable, you're disgusting, how dare you? You have no future. You cannot return to your father, right? But if we have that pig pen moment, right, which requires humility and requires wisdom, or wisdom that we've acquired from, from our church fathers, our spiritual fathers as well, then we can overcome. And we can say, yes, you're right, Shaitan. I am a sinner. You're right. I am unworthy to stand before the throne of the Most Holy One. All of this is right. But you know where you're wrong? That my Lord calls me. I don't have to be perfect to enter the church. I don't have to be perfect to stand in, the, in, in, in front of the Lord. All I need is a contrite heart. A, a, a heart that desires the love of God. And he will do the rest. And that is something that we need to be very aware of. And why is it that? Because if, if you have a broken and contrite heart, you let God in. You're open for God to work through you, to work through your weakness, as opposed to when we try to do it ourselves, and we can't. We don't have the strength to do it ourselves. But if you come to him with that contrite heart, and that contrite heart, God is going to come rushing in, and Satan's going to rush out, because he can't stand that. To him, that's weakness. Mm. <laughs> so moving along. So now you're Vincent the devil. Congratulations. <laughs> You've what? Incensed the devil. <laughs> like, now, now he is freaking out. He is like, how is this little runt from Egypt going to be able to stand up against me? Right? And obviously it's not you. The only reason why you're winning is because you're calling upon the name of Christ and you're calling him into your life. And that's what gives you power to overcome. So now he brings his buddies. So one of the things that, that's really interesting when you, when you study St. Anthony and all... Uh, all the people that fought with the devils and chronicled the devils is just like they have orders in heaven, they have orders in, in, on earth, these demons. And so each one, there's like the demon of lust and the demon of, you know, it's very similar to Greek mythology. So then the temptation gets really tough, right? If lust is your vice of choice, you are going to be turned on by literally everything. If greed is your vice of choice, Every single penny on the floor is going to be made apparent to you. Every single opportunity to make money, regardless of how unscrupulous it will be, will be used to tempt you. If violence is your, is your, or, or drugs or whatever it is, the vices will come. And they will come so hard. Especially so during Lent. Like, have you guys ever noticed how difficult it is to live a spiritual life during Lent? You know, it could be something as simple as, I'm not going to watch any more TV. Oh, yeah? Well, guess what? Shark Week. Oh. Yeah, buddy. Shark Week. Shark Week's in August, Theo. No. I'm telling you. We are going to be a Shark Week. Reruns. Reruns. It's not the prodigal week of the prodigal son. It's the week of the, the Shark Week. Whatever it is. You and, and, and March, you get, March Madness. March Madness. And then you get attacked. What do you do, guys? What do you do in that scenario? What are the tools that our church gave us to overcome when all the demons bring their weapons? My Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Okay, so explain that, because there's a lot of people out there that have no idea how powerful this weapon is. So it's called the Jesus Prayer, and there is tons of, uh, of writings of the fathers about how this is what's called the arrow prayer. It goes directly to heaven as like 
as like an arrow shooting straight up to heaven into God's ears, coming down and bringing grace upon you. And the re- and it's just a simple, quick prayer. It's my Lord Jesus Christ. There's like long forms, there's short forms, but my Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And you can say it, you can keep saying it, and it's acknowledging that you are a sinner, you are lowly, and you are seeking God's grace in that moment, and God will bring his grace upon you. And he will. And there, there are times when if you're angry and you're upset with something, just say it. And it, you'll notice a quick difference. <laughs> Excellent. Yes, the Jesus prayer. It is uh, a prayer so old and yet so powerful. What do you guys think? Give us some more weapons. Come on. Break it down. What else can we use? Along with the air, uh, along with the Jesus prayer, which is a form of the Arab prayer, you can use an Arab prayer from like you'd, you would use short, sweet sentences that mm. are directed to our Lord, and uh, say them throughout the uh, throughout the day. For instance, my Lord Jesus, protect me. My Lord Jesus, uh, have mercy on me. My Lord Jesus, uh, thank you. And you can say that throughout the day as, as a means of as a means of grace, like Michael said. You're onto something here. Another tool, thankfulness. Why is the Thanksgiving prayer how we begin almost all of our services? Here's the thing about thankfulness. When you say thank you to someone and, and you actually actually mean it, what does that create inside of you? The sense of what? Like they appreciate you. Well, for, for you, the person that's giving thanks. Oh, it's, it's like a form of like humbleness in yes. a sense. Exactly. Humility. Exactly. Well, Abuna Wiso is actually giving, um, I think part of his sermon last week, last Sunday, mm-hmm was talking about, you know, if let's say you go up to someone and you just say, hey, can you help me with something? It's very different than, hey, thank you so much for X, Y, and Z, blah, 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 blah. I really appreciated it. By the way, can you help me with this? You know, it's it's like a format of, um, you know, addressing a situation, I guess, which is actually also a great thing to apply in real life, too. When interacting with it, not not obviously with God is very important, but yeah, we we always start with the Thanksgiving prayer to always acknowledge God for um, for the 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 love and the grace that He's given us in our lives, the blessings, and then it should be followed with the requests after. But oh, I think you you should always start with Thanksgiving. You know. Um, Thank you for health. Thank you for my work. Thank you for my education. Thank you for this roof all above my head. Thank you for whatever my family, whatever. Thank you for sunshine. The other yeah, thing exactly. That, yeah. The other Thank you for rain. Does is it gives you hope that what you're going to ask God for, He is listening because you remember the things that He has done. For right. You. Right. Right. And not only with not only hope but uh, joy, with thankfulness comes joy. Uh, one yes. of the, the biggest things to, to having joy is to being thankful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't remember the quote exactly, but one of, one of the fathers talks about how, like, uh, with joy, with thankfulness comes joy or something. Absolutely. I think one of, you know, also as humans, when, when someone comes and says, thank you, and this is just me personally, it's like, oh, you're welcome. You know, like, I'm just like, this is the least I could do for you. And I think it's just very, like, heartwarming to, you know, when when someone says thank you to things that you've done, it's like you're saying, Mike, the, they appreciate it. They acknowledge that you've done something and it hasn't gone unnoticed. So I think in the same form, you know, obviously God does not need that praise, but he's kind of like, 
we are developing this relationship where you know what I have given to you. And for that reason, I will give you more and I will give you blessings. I'll give you what you ask for because we have that relationship, because you always remember me in your good times and in your bad times as well. One of the most interesting uh, points that actually uh, goes along the points that you're saying that actually boldens it a little bit is when you read the Psalms, mm-hmm. by default, David, before he asks for anything, he glorifies God. Right. Oh, you stronger than all who can squash the enemies, who can stand before the Lord. Like he does all of this glorification, which is in our church, Judah's worship. Mm-hmm. You know, like like what is heaven? Heaven is you're you're standing up there, and depending on how close you are to God, everyone, regardless from the furthest to the closest, everyone is worshiping God. Now, a lot of people are like, that's no fun. Heaven's just a whole bunch of tests. Bad, that's no fun. Here's what you're missing. When you feel the grace of God on earth, let alone heaven, who knows how heaven's going to be here. But when you feel the grace of God on earth, like, have you ever been like witnessed a miracle or felt like the the glory of God saving you or intervening in your life? There, there There are a few things that should be happening to you. One, tears or the desire to cry. Two, I can't believe you're doing this for me. I can't believe it. Like me, little old me, you can't but help glorify the name of God. Mm-hmm. You can't but help say, glory to you, O King, have come down from the high place and come to my lowliness to help me. Like it, it just, your soul speaks it, right? And that's on earth. Imagine what happens when you're in heaven. Mm-hmm. So when you read the Psalms, it's almost as if David is in constant state of grace. Like he's constantly experiencing a relationship with Yahweh in a way that he can't but help glorify his name. Even in his most depressive of times, right? Because some of these psalms were written uh, when he was being pursued by Saul. Some of them were when he was in his bed uh, mourning uh, the death of his son. You know, uh, some of them was when he was mourning Absalom, right? Very emotional times. This man, he, he resorts to prayer. Well, music and prayer. And, and he, he pours his heart out. What if we did the same thing? Can you, can you imagine that? Can you imagine like the next time... You know, you feel this bout of depression, this this crippling sense of depression, or you feel like everybody at work is just treating you horrible, which is an attack by the devil, by the way, to isolate you, to make you feel alone. Keep that in mind. We can't go through all the attacks. We'll be here forever. But the point is, if you feel anxious, oh, I got this test coming up. I got to get this MCAT. How am I going to get this MCAT? Ah. You, the joy being robbed of you, the, the peace, remember the peace, the first commandment being robbed of you, that's not from God. That is not from God. That is from our enemy. Imagine if rather than do, rather when you when you go through this, rather than popping a Ritalin or an antidepressant, by the way, I'm not, I'm not against these drugs. I just want to make it very clear here. Some people need those things so they can actually be cognizant and be aware and be able to deal with their issues. So don't take this as stop taking your lithium. Oh, for the love of God, please. <laughs> if you're being prescribed lithium for, and you're bipolar, keep it up. Keep it up, brother. Don't, don't, don't stop, right? But the point I'm trying to make is rather than relying on these things alone, what if we went to our rooms, closed the door, and did what David did? I don't care if your voice sounds like a, a mule. And not Rihanna. I don't care. Just praise God. And if you don't know the, the gospel or the verse, just or the just just say whatever your heart is saying. Oh God, please. Oh you who are high. Oh you who are strong. Oh you who came and sacrificed yourself. You'd go through all of that, but you can't save me from the stupid MCAT. Please, I am an idiot. 
I don't retain any information. I am trying so hard. Please be with me. Please, please. Imagine if we did that. Rather than all the other things. Imagine how much how much better it would feel to feel God's presence, to, to, to have God's comfort in your heart. But part of that, though, is you have to let him in. A lot of people are really good when it comes to prayer. They think prayer is one way. It's, she has to look like this, and she has to be this size, and this waist size, and like, what are you doing, ordering a woman? Like, what are you, what are you doing, ordering a career? Part of prayer is, yes, let it out. But the other part of prayer is, shh, be still. Be still, be still and, and know that, that I am God. God. Let him respond. Let him talk. And if you think he actually talks, go back on the lithium. Because he's not actually talking. But, 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 but I'm saying, like, let him speak to you. And the Lord speaks to us in many, 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 many ways. But, and, and, and tell me if I'm wrong. The most common way is through the scripture. If you know your Bible well, you allow the Spirit to stir up verses or stir up stories or, or, or lives of the saints, whatever it is, but it's primarily through Scripture to be able to talk to you. Or you'll open your Bible and, you, and something will stick with you that never stuck with you before. Everyone that has ever tried God in that way has tried and seen that the answer comes through Scripture. So here's another thing. If you don't know your Scripture, start. If you don't know the difference between Moses and Abraham, it's okay. I know we're, we're actually very bad sometimes as servants, and, and we like make fun or make, belittle the kids or make them feel bad. On behalf of all these servants, me, number one, I am sorry. We should never belittle these kids that don't know their Bible. It's okay. It's okay. But don't let that keep you from starting. Read your scripture during Lent, and God will speak to you. Just want to tag on to that. Psalm 119 says, Your words I have hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. So that is, and the way I remember it is Psalm 119. It's 911 backwards. It's kind of like a 911 call. Oh. That you keep those words in your heart. The more scripture you read, the more scripture you memorize, it'll come to you when you need it. Yeah. Yeah, I'll give you one of these. <laughs> <laughs> I, I never realized 911. That's incredible. Uh, okay, what about uh, the rest of you guys? Uh, anything here to talk about before we move on to the final conversation that we want to talk about today? So, when it comes to prayer, something I learned, uh, St. John Chrysostom said that stuck with me. Uh, he says, prayer is the conscious awareness of the presence of God. So when we understand that God is, is there, we will pray. And St. Paul says, praise or praise on pray unceasingly. How do we do that? It's by knowing that, or it's being conscious of the awareness of the presence of God. So when we know that, it's a lot easier to pray. And prayer also is not really us talking to God. It's us receiving the invitation that God has given us um, to commune with Him. Wait, 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 wait. Say that again. Prayer is? Receiving? Is receiving. The invitation. Uh, the invitation. <laughs> Thank you. Of. Uh, God to commune. Communing with God. Yeah. Probably the wisest thing that was said today. Absolutely. The, the, the constant presence of God serves another function, which will lead us into our last topic of discussion here. How do the fathers defeat the devils when they are persistent? There's this level of holiness. May you all reach it. But probably not. Uh, that the, the church fathers... Not like any of us are going to reach it either, right? We're all, the same, we're all in the same arc. 
don't, don't let the devil bring you down. Think you can't reach it. <laughs> it's a joke. It's a joke. <laughs> no, no. So, so, okay. So, seriously. So, so, I apologize. It's no, a joke. No, I'll get serious. So, so, so basically, when there's a level of holiness that one achieves uh, when you are uh, someone that is consciously aware of the presence of God and you've given your life completely to God. By the way, it's not always the monks. I just just sidebar. Um, multiple times when St. Anthony wants to see his equal, right? Or no, he wants to see his greater. Uh, the Spirit of God, the angel of God, leads him to the city where he finds a doctor. This is in the life of Anthony. He finds a doctor that is caring for the poor and caring for those that have been rejected at his own expense, his own health, his own everything, right? And the angel of the Lord tells him that he is greater than you. And St. Macarius, when uh, when the angel took him over to see the two women who had the the children, and whenever one of the babies would cry, the other one would just nurse the baby. And they, they treated each other with perfect love, and they're like, these are greater than you. Amen to that. Oh. So so it's not just uh, the the ascetics. And, and and you know what? I take that back. That, that was not right. You might be one of these two. One day, inshallah, you're going to be one of these. But basically, this level of holiness is, well, the devil can no longer trick you. Because, you know, you get it now. You're aware, you've built up your spiritual muscles. You know, you're very frail because you've done every fast. But if you were to use your, our spiritual eye and look at you, you're like Arnold. Like you're, you've got these like immense spiritual muscles, right? Like the devil knows that it's a waste of time to attack you in those rudimentary ways, the ways that work with the 99% of us. So, so he comes and he does something different, which is the physical attacks. There are many, many stories of the devils just getting so angry. Because remember, there's no peace or joy or happiness in them. It's all been taken away because they chose to uh, rebel against God, right? They get so angry, ah, and they actually physically fight against you. There's been stories of St. Anthony. There's been stories of real-life people, real-life saints in modern day, contemporary time, that have done this, right? That have gone through that. How do these saints overcome the devil? How do they overcome when when they appear as beasts and they want to eat them. It is very simple. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. There is immense power in calling upon the name of Jesus Christ. Multiple times the devil would appear to these ascetics or these people, and multiple times just saying the words Jesus Christ and meaning it, they, 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 can't, they can't hear the name. They can't hear it. They can't, they just, they disappear. And yet here we are in our schools, in our work, about to eat our full sandwich. And we do one of these. Or we don't even do it, we just like do it in our head. We don't want to pray, we don't want to say anything, lest they, they judge me and they say, you are a Christian, you are mad. You know, St. Anthony's response to that is, no, you're the ones that are mad. Like, like here we are, we, we're embarrassed of our Lord. And yet the verse that, that always comes to mind when that is, is uh, those who uh, confess my name, I will confess them in the final days. And those who do not confess my name. I will, I will yeah. deny. All done? Yeah. Like, the power that is inherent in the simple act of calling upon the name of Jesus Christ or signing the cross is so much more powerful than any of the things that we've talked about. Although those things are important, you should do them. And yet we don't do them. How many of us actually sign the cross before we start driving? Or how many of us say a quick prayer or, or say, My Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, have mercy upon you. If you're not doing these things, take Lent as an opportunity to begin. 
You know, the, the Saidi people, very simple people, but like sometimes when you go into Saeed, they're, they're doing this all the time. Like I've been, I've been in monasteries. This was Salib. This was Salib, yeah. I'll see, I'll see monasteries. I'll, I've been in convents in Egypt where it's like they literally do, this is second nature. I'm like, you have a tick or something? No, no, I'm, this is, I am protecting myself. Are you stupid? Why aren't you doing it? Right? You know what I mean? Like the devil wants you as much as he wants me. Like why aren't you signing the cross, right? And it is something that if you, if you open your eyes, you realize that this spiritual warfare is something that is probably the single most important thing that you will participate in in your entire life. It's not your medical degree, it's not your pharmacy degree, your engineering degree, your law degree, or your marriage, or even your children. Those things are very important. And don't go telling your parents, uh, hey, I don't need to do any of these degrees, I'm gonna sit in my room and, and pray. That's, that's not what God is calling you to Listen, talk to your father confession. The point is, what we don't realize is the spiritual warfare is the single most important thing in our lives. And I'll tell you a story. Our patron saint is St. Moses. And there was a time when, when Moses was just done. Like, halas. He was done. He would fight the demons, and the demons would come, and they would use his memories of fornication, of adultery, of gluttony, of, of being a man of status. And he would fight and fight and, and call upon the name of the Lord and do his matanyas and read his Bible. And he just got to a point where he was done. He packs his bag, and he runs to his father of confession with his bag. And he says, I'm done. I'm gone. And Sandy Sir says, whoa, 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 what do you mean you're gone? No, I, I, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. He goes, Moses, go back to yourself. He goes, no. Up until this point, Moses had never said the word no to St. Isidore. Everything St. Isidore had told him to do, he did it. And he did it gladly, and he did it to the fullest of his abilities. But this one time, he's done. St. Isidore, realizing what's going on, says, okay, let's go up. Takes him above the tower. Tower is the highest place. This is where they would run if the Berbers were coming, right? And they sit on the roof. And they're just talking. They're not really talking about anything. He's just saying, he's like, yeah, so, so, how's, uh, how's the basket weaving? Yeah. And then the sun is coming up. And he goes, now look, Moses. The dark side of the sky. What do you see? And Moses looks, and he sees these disgusting creatures. These horrible, demonic, horrible, disgusting, that were once beautiful, that were once a creation of God. And now, because they rebelled against God and they've been cast down, they smell and they look scary. And he, Moses, this big, you know, strong man who everyone was afraid of, he's in immense fear. And he tells Isidore, he goes, be not afraid, Moses. Be not afraid, Moses. Look to your right. Look, as the sun is rising, what do you see? He sees ranks and cherubim and seraphim and all the ranks of the angels. And, he, and he's describing this to St. Isidore. And he goes, count them. And he counts them. And he says, count them. And he counts them. And then he says, what, do you, what can you tell? He goes, there's more of them. There's more of the angels than there are the demons. He goes, aha, Moses. Be not afraid. For there are more of those with us than those against us. This story is important to keep in mind as a failsafe in your mind, as a failsafe in your mind, as the last thing you want to be aware of when you have been beaten and brought down to your knees and you've gone back to sinning and you know, you know, you're, you're with the girl that you shouldn't be with or the guy that you shouldn't be with and you're, you're smoking and you're vaping again and you're doing drugs and you've turned from the church and remember this thought, those that 
are with us are more than those that are against us. Why is it important? Because it calls to memory that at the end of the day, good will always beat out evil. Evil has no chance. Good will always beat out evil, whether it's for you or for your friends or for anybody else. Good cannot be beaten. But when it comes to your life, you hold the power. You choose who will win. Will it be the forces of evil? Will you give in to them? Or will it be the forces of good? You have that power. That is a God-given right given to all of us. It's called free will. You have that right. Do you want to be made well? Multiple times our Lord and Savior asked that all throughout the Gospels of Lent. Do you want... He certainly could have just put his hand on the paralytic and healed them. He could have put his hand on, on the man born blind and healed them without even having a conversation. But no, he respects free will. Do you want to be made well? That is the, your question. Do you want to be made well? The sin that you're suffering through right now, the pain that is in your heart, the anxiety, the depression, right? That horrible relationship that ended and you still haven't gotten over. Do you want to be healed? You. Do you want to be made well? Yes or no? And if the answer is yes, what is required of you? Give yourself the gun. You don't have to be a, a, a deacon and recite the entire Igbayan. You will get there. You will get there. I promise you, you will get there. But right now, if you want to be made well, just look at God and say, Yes, Lord, I want to be made well. That's it. And all the demons that have been running your life up until this point, gone. Absolutely gone. In a moment. And all the angels will come and serve unto you. you hey Amen. You bring me back to two, two verses that really explain this. So Ephesians 6, 12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rules of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So we have to be aware, like we said, that this is who we're fighting against. But we have power. And the power that Christ has given us to to step on serpents and scorpions and upon all the power of the enemy. And we were talking about the power in the name of the Lord and bringing the name of the Lord. Well, Philippians chapter 2 says, Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on the earth and of those under the earth. So every knee bows under the name of Jesus. And so that's all you need to do. You you're, you're, you're feel like you're being downtrodden. You feel like you just can't anymore. And you feel like, call on the name of the Lord. And he is the strength. Christ is the conqueror. He is the conqueror that has won. It's, it's one of the most beautiful things in the book of Revelation. It's to tell us the battle is already done. It's won. There is all this stuff. and all, It's done. I know the ending to this movie. You just have to go with it. Accept. Breeze, baby, breeze. So, um, one last thing before we go through our, our loop here. Um, 
when we're doing research uh, for this, one of, one of the things, you know, we're researching uh, how this all works, the supernatural world, right? And it's funny, there's a lot known about the demonic powers, about how black magic works. And this is real, black magic is a real thing. Till this day, it's an operation, right? This is, this is how the devil uses powers or gives powers or tricks people into thinking he has power so they can worship him, right? And give their soul to them. There are people that make contracts with the devil. A lot of them are in Hollywood. We've talked about that before. But you can actually go to a local witch and make love spells and all this. It's garbage. It's absolute garbage. It's real, but it's garbage. There's I've no been, power. I've been seeing ads on YouTube for psychics now. I know. Like, what's going on? I know. <laughs> it, it, it's crazy. But but there's so much that is known about you know each rank of the demons and the seven major demons. Here's something that's very interesting. Try to do the research on the angels of God. And then you'll find our church fathers and what they teach about, you know, you have the angels that are closest to God's throne, the cherubim, right? These are the most powerful angels. And the talk about them is they are set aflame by God. And when, when you read them, the cherubim, they are filled with love for mankind because that is what they're getting from the Father. They're so close to the Father, they are preoccupied by all of his thoughts and everything that's going on with him, and all he's preoccupied by is his children, is loving his children. That is, that is his number one priority, right? Otherwise, he wouldn't have done what he did. And then under the cherubim, you have dominions and powers, and, and they all have different responsibilities, right? There's the angels uh, that go about creation and making sure things happen and the tides and all that. And we read about those angels in, in revelations that are over the waters and whatnot. There are the angels that have dominion and do war with the devil and his, uh, and his uh, evil henchmen. Uh, there's the, there's the, uh, the, the angels that wor worship. And then, and then you get to the lowest rung of the, the, the angels, right? Those are the ones closest to man. So you have, the closer you are to God, the more powerful you are as an angel, the higher your rank. The closer you are to man, the less powerful you are. You're still a beautiful creation, angel of God, and you're serving God, and you feel great, and like you love him and everything. It's just that you're a lower rank. And the last two ranks are the archangels and the angels. These are the ones that minister to us, right? Above them are the angels that do the miracles and have the sacrifices and whatnot. But the ones that are, that are directly part of our lives are the angels and the archangels. And the Orthodox Church believes that uh, one of the most important one of those angels is your guardian angel. And your guardian angel is what you get at baptism. Like, Mike, we were talking about this before. If you guys go back, and I strongly encourage you to do this, attend a baptism, or read the, uh, go to Coptic Reader, plug for Coptic Reader, and read the baptism prayers. It is a preemptive exorcism, right? Where essentially we are kicking out the demons inside of you and then sealing you, sealing you, every single sense, every single opening, and saying this is a vessel for the Holy Spirit. This is a vessel where God will rest, where God will find a home. And, and you're too young, if you're a baby and getting baptized, that your parents also, you know, what's the thing, Mike? The oath. The oath. I renounce you, Satan, and I accept you, Christ. Yes, yes. And, and that seals you, right? That seals you for, for God. And there's the Zonar, and there's all these, read it, it's very ritualistic. And part of that process is you get assigned a guardian angel. And your guardian angel's role is never to leave you. Never to leave you. Except under one condition. Abuna Jerome was talking to him, Abuna Jerome, and he sent me, I think it was St. Ignatius, I forget who it was, it was a church father, that St. Basil maybe. And he talks about under one condition, the guardian angel, it has to leave you. And it is not when you commit sin, but it's rather when you persist in your sin. When you persist in your sin. 
uh, I wish I had it before, maybe you can find it, but basically, I think I put it in the chat, if somebody wants to bring it up, but basically it's, just like you, you have a bad, you smell a bad smell and you need to get away because it smells just so bad, that's what happens. The guardian angel leaves you because you're persisting in the sin. Well, guess what happens when the guardian angel leaves you? Right? Guess who comes instead of instead of them, right? When you have no protection. This this angel's sole job is to protect you from the evils of, of the world, right? So one of the things that, that you can do with your guardian of angel a guardian angel that the church preaches is you can ask them, they, they have this, this superpower, and you can ask them to stand before God and bring them bring to him whatever is going on in your heart. Because you can't do that, obviously. You're stuck down here. He can't, or she can't. Do they have sexes? I don't even know. I don't think they do. But anyway, you can ask this angel to go and say, my, my guardian angel, please go and stand before God uh, and bring him this concern, or ask him this question. Or, and, and you can have that conversation in the same way you can do with the saints, right? The difference is uh, there are stories of like Saint Mina, people crying out for Saint Mina, crying out for Saint Mina, and then he takes forever to come. And when he finally comes, he appears to them and goes, why did you take so long? He goes, I had, I had a lot going on. I was, I was helping a lot of people, right? <laughs> have, you, have you heard those, those stories? Like, like saying, Bible uh, tells us the stories, why not? But this guardian angel is assigned to you because you are the son of the king. He's your bodyguard, right? He's right. your spiritual bodyguard. How many people actually talk to the guardian angel or task him or ask him, please ask God to forgive me? The angel empowered on, of himself has no power. Angel cannot do anything of himself. But his superpower is he can... Stand before God on your behalf. So this Lent, why don't we ask our angels, right, to do that for us? Like, look, I'm, I'm a sinful, horrible person. I admit that. I know that. And I, I mean that with all my heart. But can you, can you ask God to please take away this depression that I've been feeling for the past seven years? Please. Please. I'm, I, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. I'm willing to sacrifice. I'm willing to return. Take away this anxiety. Please ask him. Ask him. If he sees right in his heart to take it away, please take away the sin that's in my heart. And, and the last thing to keep in mind about the angels is, so we know all this about the evil angels. We know very little about the archangels. Like, uh, Do you know that there's actually very little on those remaining four archangels? We know very little about them. We know Gabriel, we know Michael, we know Raphael, right? That's three. There are one, two, three, four, four more. We know nothing about them. And yet, they are so important. They're archangels. Honestly, go out there, try to find something from the, from the Orthodox text, not from like the Protestant, which they make up a lot of stuff that's weird. But, but, well, but, and they give them different names. And, and they give them different stuff. names, right? Why is that the case? And here's why. We go back to the single most important requirement in order to have a fruitful Lent, in order to have a fruitful relationship with God. God resists the proud, the proudful, and glorifies the meek and the humble. These angels don't want their name to be known. They saw what happens when an angel thinks he's bigger than God. They saw what happens when an angel gets drunk on his own pride. And they don't want to lose their connection with God so much that they, listen, listen, we will serve, we will do everything you want. We don't, they don't need to know our names. May, may, it is your right to say, do whatever you want, but you know what? In humility, we serve you. And they are more powerful than these, than these dark e demons. And they can do more than these dark demons. And yet, because of their humility, because of how much they value their relationship with God, they don't want to be known. It was God's will that we know these four, but the others, they don't want to be known. They serve as an example, as a role model to us. Humility. If you cannot achieve anything this Lent, Achieve this, or at least try. 
Humble yourself. Because that is probably the one darkness that is spread out in all of the land that makes it impossible to feel the love of God, that makes it impossible to feel the presence of God, is this haughtiness of heart. It is the Supreme Shirts. It is the Yeezys. It is the Bugattis. It is all these things that are fed to you to make you feel as if this is what gives you worth. This is what gives you status. This is what gives you power. The likes on the internet and how funny you can be and these cute little captions. Like, uh, you know, a girl will post a picture of half naked of herself and then she'll write a cute little caption and be like, oh, that's funny, like, um, God blessed. Like, we all know you're blessed. But this is not what that means. Let me explain to you what it means to be blessed. Let me explain to you what it means to be one with God. It's not what you think it means, right? No offense to anyone out there that's doing that. I, I, forgive me if I've, I've insulted you. I'm not trying to insult you. I just want you to open your eyes and realize that for as long as the devil can keep you prideful, he can keep you away from God. You have to be aware of that. Reject pridefulness. Go ahead, Mike. So uh, since we were talking about that oath that we take during baptism, I'm just going to read it. It's uh, pretty short. I renounce you, Satan, and all of your unclean works, and all of your wicked angels, and all your demon, evil demons, and all your power, and all your abominable service, and all your army, and all your authority, and all the rest of your impieties. I renounce you, I renounce you, I renounce you. And the parents of the child or the adult who's being baptized faces the West, and he says that, and he renounces Satan. And he turns around and faces the East, and he says, I confess you, O Christ my God, and all your saving laws, and all your living service, and all your life-giving works. I believe in one God, God the Father, the Pantocrator, and his only begotten Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, and the Holy Spirit, the giver of life, and the resurrection of the flesh, and the one only holy Catholic apostolic church. Amen. I believe. I believe. I believe. Lord, have mercy. Forget your cup of joe, folks. Imagine if you started off every day with that prayer. Like, imagine you are starting off the day calling God into your life. Guys, it's been really, really awesome. It's been a very fruitful conversation. We're at the 1 minute 30 mark. We could probably go on, but we won't. So what we're going to do... We won't be one of these three-hour-long podcasts. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. So what we're going to do, we're going to go around the room, and we're going to talk about what did you learn today? If you went home and your mom asked you, Hey, Justine. What did you learn on the podcast? What did you take away? Or what lesson would, would you want to give away to the folks at home? So Justine, go ahead. You first. Uh, I think one of the biggest things that was very prominent in this discussion was the amount of help and resources that we have. Um, not just our, our community, but that God has given us to be able to overcome the struggles that he anticipated we would go through or he would know that we would go through. Um, it's something that Christ had mentioned we would go through trials and tribulations in our lives and that, you know, it's it's going to change from generation to generation. But he has also equipped us with what we need to overcome those struggles, um, whether if it's calling out on his name or reaching out to him or calling on our guardian an angel, like you were saying, Theo, um, uh, our father of confession, whatever it may be, um, always tap into those resources and, and, and know that there's help for you for anyone that needs it. Wonderful. Mikey? Depending on where you are in life, God and Christ has his arms open for us at all times. The Father of the bosom is always open for us to come back and to return, and he will ask you, do you want to be made well? And it's important for us to know where we are and come and reach out to God and accept this invitation and um, 
and, and, and think to ourselves we do want to be made well. Um, we were sinful, but God has uh, the grace to forgive us, and God's love is unconditional. Amen. Mike? So, this was a really fruitful talk. I feel like the thing is, what reminds me of always be awake. Wake up. Wake up from your sleep. Wake up from the distractions. Wake up from all these things, the phone, the computer, all these things that you're constantly being bombarded with and like, because you want to drown out. You don't want to be with yourself. And turn it off. During Lent, I'm just going to turn it off and just try to be in communion with God. Try to commune with the heavenly. Commune with your with your talk to your garden angel talk to your your friends in the victorious church we have our um our, our uh, intercessor saints talk to him talk to your intercessor and ha- form a relationship with him form a relationship with the heavenly and that will keep us away from the arrows of the uh, of the evil one i actually remember one situation which someone was trying to do some kind of um faith healing on me and i i wasn't in a position where i could uh, i could um get away and so i just sat there and started praying the our father prayer and i could feel like a shield around me like something was trying to get in but it couldn't get in and that's what we need to do god is all powerful rely on him David, if there's one thing I think I took away from the talk, um, it's that we need to have humility in our lives. We need to realize that we don't know all that much, and there are so many avenues out there for us that God has given us in everything in our lives, in the sunshine that comes up every day, in the friends that he's given us, in our health in the food that he gives us, in every single breath that we take is another opportunity for us to be humble in the Lord's love and to get to know him more. And I think that this Lent especially, what we could do is that every time we feel that hardship, we feel that need, that desire to eat something that we're not supposed to eat that burger or, you know, say that lie or do something that we shouldn't, I think that we could think back at how humble the Lord was when he was staking the cross up. When he was walking with the cross, he was so humble. A perfect God took the cross and held all of our sins. And we can relate to that because we have all these sins, right? He was perfect, but he suffered. We're not perfect. We can suffer. Yeah, so um, I think the, the important thing for, for me is a message to uh, for everyone that you're being deceived. You are being deceived. You are being robbed. Everything that you that is most valuable to you is being taken. And your, for the most part, reaction is to sleep. Right? The parable of the of uh, the man who uh, who's who gets robbed. Right? Or the parable. All of these stories of uh, the warnings that our Lord and Savior has of, of the soul being willing, but the body being the spirit being willing, but the body being weak. Those are still true till today. We are being robbed, and you can't stop that robber from taking your things. 
I just want to be very clear here. You cannot do that. It's not you. You cannot fight the devil on your own. You cannot overcome and win the race on your own. Only way, the only way to win, the only way to stay awake, the only way to persist in the fight is to call upon our Lord. And if we are just Christians by name, who is the Lord to you? How can you possibly say that you are in a relationship with someone when you don't know much about him? Get to know God. Take, taste his sweetness. His, his yoke is very light. The devil wants to trick you and make you think that being a Christian is so hard. It's actually only hard in the very beginning when you're first waking up. You get to a point after a while where you're like, how could I possibly live without this? How can I possibly have another day without tasting the sweetness that is my God? And then when you have enough of that, then you're like, well, I need to give back to him. How can I possibly just sit here and, and enjoy him and not serve him? And then you get to a point where like the more you serve, the more you find yourself being able to do things. And then you remember that verse that says, I gave you five. What did you do with that five? Oh, I made, I did 10. Well done. But what happens? Give that one that made 10, give them another five. Well, now you have to do something else with that five. And all of a sudden, you find yourself in a new cycle, in a new routine, in a new reality, the reality, where you live not for yourself, not for your wallet, not for your Coinbase or Bitcoin or whatever it is these days. You're living for God. You're living to taste the grace of God again. You live every day being thankful and asking for him, please come back into my life. Please let me feel your presence. Am I, am I doing, this thing that I'm doing, is this making you happy? These talents that you've given me, am, am I doing the right thing by investing them? Tell me, God, because at the end of the day, I just, I just want to make you happy. I just want to please you. And not to make you think that this is just a, a state that's persistent. Even the, the saintly of all saints has fallen in their highest of highs. But that's not really the point, is it? It's not how many times you've fallen in your spiritual life, it's how many times you get back. So guess what? Get back up. Get back up. That's the message we have for you today. So with that, we wanna thank you very much for uh, coming to spend some of your time with us. Uh, we also wanna let you know that if you are in uh, the Delray Beach area, the South Florida area, we would love to have you uh, during our meetings. Um, they happen, what, Mike? Every other week. Every other week. It's a fellowship or, 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 or meeting or of some sort of event. If you are far away uh, from this area, but you have a local Orthodox church, please, please, please go and come and see. Come and see what we're talking about for yourself. Uh, and if you need help finding your local church, you can always reach out to us. Missing anything? Nope, that's it. Don't forget to follow us on our socials so you can get updates. Okay, and of, of course, our verse. And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. God loves you. We love you. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.